Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Josh Davis filling in for Pastor Brad Davis today. It's my joy and privilege to get to be with you. I want to continue some of the thoughts that we shared yesterday on practical tips for personal Bible study. And yesterday we really focused on the motivation for personal Bible study. And today I want to share some other practical helps that I think will really be beneficial to you in your personal Bible study. Yesterday, I emphasized the importance of keeping your growth in God and growth in your relationship with Jesus as the central focus of your motivation for Bible study. In other words, don't use it as a checklist to see how fast you can get through the Bible or how much of the Bible that you can read through in a given period of time. That's admirable if you're growing in the Lord. And if you find that you are not growing in the Lord by reading large chunks of Scripture at a time, cut back on that and read smaller sections or even down to a single verse till you get to the place where you can really focus in on the Lord and gleaning from His Word. That's what the whole goal of Bible study is about. And so we want to continue those thoughts. If you missed our conversation yesterday, you can go to AntiochBristol.com and there you'll find links to the audio recording that you can listen to at your convenience and remind yourself of those things. But today, I want to share with you, where do I begin in Bible study? Where do I look to begin? And maybe you're just looking to refresh your Bible study. You've been a Christian for a long time, but you're looking to refresh that. And maybe something that we'll share today will give you some practical tips to that end. Uh, If you want to take one book at a time, that's generally my favorite thing to do. And I love variety in my personal Bible study. I love to mix it up in different ways at different times. Sometimes I may read a section of a book. Sometimes I may sit down and read through a whole book in one sitting. I did that recently with the book of Acts. And each time I look at it from a different angle. I did that a few years ago with the book of Acts, looking specifically at prayer in the book of Acts and marked every instance where prayer or praying or something to that end was mentioned. And then I would sort of catalog that. I know I'm going all Bible nerd on you today. I apologize for that. Only partly apologize for that because I love God's word. But I would catalog each reference to prayer and see what patterns emerged. Uh, This time reading through the book of Acts, I was looking for emphasis on the resurrection of Jesus, because as Acts opens, it talks about infallible 
proofs for the resurrection. And the amazing thing that stood out to me was how that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is included in every single evangelistic message in the gospel of Acts, excuse me, in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is really that opening statement that's the foundation of the church and how they emphasized the fact that they were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't always read through an entire book. Uh, That is on more rare occasions. But when the ball gets rolling and my curiosity gets piqued in a certain way, I run down that path. I was interested. I wonder what the book of Acts says about the resurrection in, in its totality. And to me, it becomes like a treasure hunt. And you're getting to see these concepts emerge. But the whole goal of Bible study is to draw closer to the Lord and to understand who God is and what His heart is about. That's why when it comes to books that we consider to be more dry, when you think about Leviticus or you think about some of the books that have long and seemingly endless genealogies, and sometimes you begin to wonder, you know, what's the heart of God that he felt it so important to communicate these genealogies to us? There's a lot of significance within genealogies and a lot of theological significance. In our American modern-day culture, we don't tie things so much according to generation. But in Eastern cultures, even to this day, these genealogies are crucial. And so just because in our American modern-day mindset we don't think it's that important doesn't mean somewhere else in the world that it isn't very important to them. And God also communicates truth to us through those things. God thought each of those individual people was important. And when you come to the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew and in Luke in their Gospels, you see that it is very important. And these specific people are mentioned like links in a chain connected to the Savior. And it connects to Bible prophecy. When you look back at the Old Testament, God made promises to Abraham for the land. God made promises to King David for the throne, that his descendant would sit on the throne forever. In other words, that the Messiah would come through the household of David. And so you see these genealogies like in Matthew and in Luke, they tie back to Abraham, show that God fulfilled this promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and on down the line, and there you find David, and on down the line, there you find the Messiah. And Matthew points this out when he says in Matthew 1, 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the carrying away in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. God keeps his promises. And God has a wonderful way to fulfill that. And even in these genealogical passages, we see the promises of God being fulfilled and the prophecy that God gives going forth in great power. 
And so even in what we consider to be the quote-unquote dry parts of the Bible, the genealogies, Leviticus, what else, you can see Jesus Christ there. You can find God on every page of Scripture. And truly, that ought to be the central focus of our Bible study is, Lord, help me to learn more about you through your Word. You see, when we approach the Bible with a me-centered idea, we come to it thinking, God, show me something about myself from your word. I heard that growing up from well-intentioned people and said, look for some truth that you can hold on to in your life through your Bible study today. Well, if you're reading through Leviticus or some of these other books, I'm not picking on Leviticus because I found a lot of great truths in Leviticus through the years. But some Christians really get hung up there because they say, I don't find anything that applies to my life in these passages. But that's not the first question you need to be asking. What can I find to apply to my life? The first question you need to be asking and answering through your Bible study is, what does this teach me about God? What does this reveal about Jesus Christ? What is God doing through this? How is God moving? How is God working? You see, our Bible study needs to recenter us on the person of God. Who is he? What is he doing? Not on us. It's not given for us first and foremost, although we can find those personal applications and thank God for that. But look to see and grow in God through your personal Bible study. I hope this has been helpful to you. Reach out to us if you've got questions about any of these things that we've mentioned or if we can help you get started in the right direction. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.